Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, I received an email this week. Um, it was a very polite email. It was signed. That's always a good thing. Um, but this person shared with me something that they had observed and, and actually, yeah, just a good observation. And as soon as I read it, the Holy Spirit in my heart said, they're right. This person was right. And so I want to apologize today for something. Um, last week, uh, I was using, actually the last couple of weeks, I've been using some statistics that are pretty grim about you know, what happens when parents aren't actively involved in their children's lives. And particularly last week, talking about the father and when he's not engaged spiritually and, and what that does in, in the lives of kids. And, and what I failed to do was to tell you that there's hope. We are not controlled by statistics. Okay, statistics measure what's going on and, and they point out that there are issues. But if you had a father who did not do what he was supposed to do, you are not stuck there. You can humble yourself before God and say, oh God, I need you to work in my life. And he will work in your life. And, and so you don't have to be stuck with those things. And I just want to, I always try to give that hope. And last week I just forgot. And uh, so I don't like to preach those kinds of things. So my apologies to you for that. Well, it is Mother's Day, uh, as we've already talked about. And I was thinking back on my mom and my memories of her. And my mom, uh, at the height of her glory, was 5'2". <laughs> and in later years, probably 5 foot or just under 5 foot, and you know, weighed about 90, 95 pounds. And, uh, but the, I was trying to think, and, and I might be able to remember earlier things if I you know, sat and thought a long time about it, but one of the first things I remember that just stuck with me about my mom, um, I had gotten a toy, I was about five years old, and I got one of those toys, it's a, a dart gun with a suction cup on the darts, you know? Those are cool toys, don't you agree? Uh, I you know, really enjoyed those, but anyway, I don't know what happened, I remember, I can picture it, my mom stepping out of the garage, and I was playing in the garage, it was open, and didn't, no dart in the gun, but for some reason I had the gun in my mouth just five years old, right? And she saw, I don't remember if she said anything or what, but she came unglued. And, and my mom, who's very, pretty much controlled, she lost it and grabbed that gun from me and smashed it on the ground and did that. Don't you ever put a gun in your mouth. or put, This is my first lesson in gun safety. <laughs> and it stuck with me, let me tell you, okay? Uh, she could be very, very... Uh, um, I guess feisty is the word. Uh, my, my mom had a look, you know, you'd be messing around doing stuff and she'd look at it and all, I don't, just all of a sudden you knew. Anybody have looks like that that you receive, right? You knew. Cross the line with that. Um, one of the uh, most precious memories to me that, that I have, I mean, my mom did everything with this. Uh, there was my dad and two boys in the household and she had to live with that. Um, but she just did everything with us, busy and exciting and all that kind of stuff. But one of my best memories as an adult, I was going through one of the darkest times in my life trying to figure out which way was up. And, um, and 
I was able to fly back to Missouri and visit my parents. And they were building a house. I remember this very clear. They were having a house built and they were living on the property out in the middle of the country uh, in a trailer. And I remember sitting in the trailer across from my mom and just pouring my heart out, having a conversation with her. And she's listening and she's responding and she's speaking wisdom into my life. And such a blessing, you know, such an encouragement. It just still means so much to me today. And then around this time, I don't know if it was that trip or another trip, uh, my mom loved animals, okay? She, you know, she wouldn't kill a spider in the house. She would rescue it and put it outside. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's just coming back in. Snakes, I mean, whatever. But uh, when they first moved there, one day this stray dog showed up, a big German shepherd, probably weighed as much as she did. And just mangy, what a mess, had been living on its own, for, I think, for quite a while. Anyway, so she took the dog in, you know, got it healthy, cleaned it up, and named him Fred. And I don't know why Fred, I, it doesn't make sense, but she named him Fred. And um, she had another dog, and but every night when they would be out in the woods there, they'd come back, and they'd have ticks all over them, right? You know, they'd go out in the woods and come back with ticks. So every night she'd sit down and... And in fact, she'd, she'd call a dog, say, tick, tick time, tick, tick. And they'd come running and sit down, and she would pull all of the ticks off them, calm them, brush them, and pull them off every day. So she'd love those dogs. I mean, to me, it's like, eh, it's a good reason not to have a dog. But <laughs> um, to give you a sense of her feistiness, I may have told this story before, but uh, like I said, it was this time or, or later, I don't remember for sure, but we took a walk on their property. They owned about 200 acres, and so we were walking the property line, and they had a path there. And, and we got down the far end, there was a neighbor there who had two dogs that were not very nice dogs, okay? And so Fred is with us, and the next thing you know, those two dogs have jumped on Fred, and there's a big fight going on. Now, one thing you do, you don't reach into the, a dog fight with your hand, right? that's a good way to get really bit. So my mom very quickly looks around and she finds this branch about this long and about that thick. And she got that thing and she moved up and she just starts wailing on dogs. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like. And, but she just said, you know, just, you got to, to whack the dogs until they decide this isn't worth it. I think I, Fred got hit too. It didn't matter, right? And sure enough, the dogs took off. And I'm kind of like. I think I treat my mom with a little more respect, you know? <laughs> but anyway, great memories of mom. Mom made a huge difference in my life and things, I, you know, every now and then I recognize a thought or a belief or something that I can say, that came from my mom. And so you guys are impacted by my mom today, All right? That's what moms do. Uh, now, moms, there's something about uh, moms that's, that's different than dads, right? We get that because we talk about a mother's love. And we don't hear very often about a father's love. There is such a thing as a father's love, right? But we hear about what? A mother's love. Uh, we know that moms are fighters when it comes to their children. They will fight for their children. The old uh, um, analogy, right, is, is the mother bear and her cubs, right? Don't, don't mess with them because uh, she will come out in full force and fight, which is a good thing. Um, I think that moms today have a tougher time than two, three generations ago, because it was simpler back then to be a mom. Not easier, but simpler. 
Because nowadays there are so many uh, different opportunities, pressures, expectations that the world has upon moms that I think makes it harder. It takes more time, it makes it harder to stay actually engaged personally with the children sometimes because of the busyness that's going on. And um, nothing I know about moms is that moms want to do right by their children. They want to, it's just part of who a mother is. And I wanna help you with that today. Um, so we're gonna look at, in the gospel, look at some stories from Mary's life, the mother of Jesus, and from some of the, the teachings that um, Jesus gave that include thoughts about mothers um, to learn what it takes to succeed as a mom. And one of the things we're gonna see repeatedly through this whole thing is that moms, you need to learn to let go. There are multiple things along the way that you need to learn to let go of in order to succeed. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. And if uh, you don't have a Bible with you today, we really encourage you to use one of those in the chairs there in front of you. I'll be giving you page numbers. We're, on page, we're going to start on page 1178. <coughs> Luke chapter 1. And in this passage, what we're going to see is that Mary has already found out that she's going to have a child. The angel has already showed up and talked to her. She's gone to visit her relative, Elizabeth, and so she's away. But then Mary, it's called the Song of Mary, but Mary prays and talks about God, talks to God. Um, and what we learn, we learn something from, about her here in this passage. So let's start in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Okay, let's stop there. Mary has just found out that she is going to have a baby even though she has never been with a man, never been married. You think that turned her world upside down any? Yeah, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, but what is her very first response? My soul magnifies the Lord. This is about God. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Now I want you to see something here. That um, Mary recognizes that what is going to make her a blessing is not her own efforts and work. What is going to make her a blessing? What God is going to do in her life and through her. And moms, you want to be a blessing to your children? The greatest way you'll be a blessing is when it's God at work in your life and through you, okay? He's gone, verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever, his descendants. Um, this is a really mature perspective on life. You see that? She has an understanding of how the world works. She has an understanding of who God responds to, the humble, the needy, not the proud and self-sufficient. She sees all this and knows all this, and she's talking about her relationship with God and what she knows there. Now, how old was Mary? 
Well, we don't know for sure, but she very easily could have been 15 years old in this culture, a young woman. What a mature perspective, right? Okay? So, here's the first truth that I want you to see if you want to succeed as a mom. You have to grow in your relationship with God and in your biblical understanding of life. There are some things that just come natural for a mom, okay? You just do naturally. This is not one of them. But you need this. You need to grow in your understanding of what life is like from what God says. Um, you need to devote yourself to this. And now, when your kids are little, then the more you have of them and they're little, it's hard to find time. I remember, you know, Glenda talking about this, of how hard it was to find time to pursue her relationship with the Lord. And so it would be one minute here, five minutes there, you know. Um, and just, but you got to keep after it. Because you will not have, you, you will not have what your children need if you do not pursue your relationship with the Lord. You won't. Um, You see, for you to be able to have the wisdom that you need to raise your children, you have to pursue your relationship with God and His Word, or, or you won't be able to do it, okay? Uh, to be able to pass it on. For your kids to observe it in you, it, you have to be living it. So this comes first and foremost. You're growing your relationship with God and your understanding of, of life, a biblical understanding. And, and this means that you have to let go of something. You have to let go of your own natural way of looking at things. You have to be willing to let go of all the things that come natural to you when it comes to your children. Because what comes natural to us doesn't always match what God says. Have you noticed that? It doesn't always. In fact, it's interesting, over in the book of Titus, Paul tells Titus that the older women should teach the younger children how to love their, did I see children? Mothers. Teach the older women teach the younger women how to love their children. What do you mean how to love their children? Of course they love them. Ah, but they don't love them the way God says that they ought to love them. See, it doesn't come natural to us. And so, so we need to be willing to set aside our own uh, approach to life, our own natural way of thinking about things, our own natural responses to things, and let God change how we see those things and do them. Now, let me tell you that the world is going to work against you in this. The world is not neutral. You know, what you observe in the media and hear from people who don't know Christ does not, very often does not match what God says. All right? And, and the problem is, is that if we are not growing like this, we are susceptible to that. We can begin to believe things are true that are not necessarily true. So let me give you an example. Um, this world, largely in our culture, would say for you as a woman to be fulfilled, you need to be pursuing a career. Okay? That's a message. And, and there are a lot of people, you know, would say, man, you've got to get out there to be somebody, for you to matter. Or maybe that you say, oh, I, I, need to have, I need to work and do this so we can have enough money to get by. And, and, but here's what I want to say to you. And, and let me back up just a moment. Whether or not you have a career, whether or not you work outside the home or whatever, that's between you and God. I mean, that, that really is. You need to pursue God and do what he wants you to do. I'm not telling you on that, but what I am telling you is don't do that 
because you're just doing what the world around you says you ought to do. You see what I mean? Are, are you catching that? In other words, don't just do this because, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Because here's the thing, if God puts it in your heart that you ought to stay home with your children, he will enable you to do that. And you might have to make some hard decisions, but if that's what God puts in your heart, do it. If God puts it in your heart that no, I, I really do need to do this in my life, I need to pursue this career, then fine. What you gotta do is, is, since God entrusted these children to you, you gotta make sure that when you go out to do this other thing, that you are still able to do this higher responsibility. Because here's the thing, I want you to think about this. When it comes time to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and remember only Christians are at the judgment seat of Christ, it's not for salvation, this is an evaluation of our lives and how we did. And as we stand before Christ, moms, do you, which of these thoughts do you think you're more likely to be thinking? Do you think you'll say, oh man, I wish I had left my children more and worked more? Or you'd be saying, man, I wish I had worked less and spent more time with my children. Well, think about that now and make decisions that go along with that now. And I really do mean it when I say, this is between you and God, your decision, okay? I'm not passing judgment on anybody here. I just don't want anybody here to be just doing that because, well, I haven't really thought about it. That's just what you do, okay? Or to think you have to do, have a job to be important or any of that kind of stuff. All right, let's continue. Matthew chapter 10, page 1122. And by the way, if you have any questions about some of these things I say today, uh, I'd be glad to talk with you about it. Matthew chapter 10. Um, Jesus here is, is, is talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ. So we talked about growing in your relationship with God, your understanding of his word. Now he, Jesus here is talking about what does it mean to follow him? What's it going to require out of us? So start in verse number 34. Jesus says, do not think that I am come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now that, that sounds kind of surprising, doesn't it? Because every Christmas we talk about he is the prince of Peace, that's right. And ultimately is, you're talking about peace with God, the peace of God, and eventually when he has his kingdom, peace in the kingdom. Um, but what he's talking about here is in personal relationships, that when people choose to follow him, it often brings division. And we need to make a choice to follow him anyway. So let's read on. Verse 35. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. So let me ask you, how many of you either when you came to Christ and became a follower of Christ, or after that you made some decision about following Christ, have you ever experienced somebody else being unhappy with you about that? Yeah, because following Christ often brings division. It just does. And so Jesus is telling us this here, and then he says this in verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. But look back up there in verse 37 again. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me 
is not worthy of me. Luke recorded these words of Jesus. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And that word hate is used as a comparative word here. It's talking about in comparison to your love for the Lord that your relationship there might seem like hate. Because when push comes to shove, who are you choosing? I'm choosing the Lord and it looks like I must hate you. Okay, that's what he's talking about here, that he comes first. So, get this moms. And by the way, all these truths pretty much today we're talking about apply to all of us. But very pointedly to moms. Your relationship with the Lord is more important than your relationship with your children. Go ahead and put that up if you would. Your relationship with the Lord is more important than your relationship with your children. Now, in the middle of life, you may say, well, what does that mean, right? Well, what it means is that you've already settled in your heart and mind that if push comes to shove, the Lord comes first in my life. I must do that. And again, as I said earlier, if you do not put God first in your life, you don't put following Christ first in your life, you will not be able to raise your kids the way you ought to. Because you need to be changed in this way. You need to keep the priorities proper. You need to be willing to let go of this relationship. Um, this is ramifications that we're gonna look at them a little later, but a lot of ramifications. If you don't make this decision, you will make bad decisions for your children in their lives. And you will model a life for them that is bad for them. So put the Lord first. And so your relationship with the Lord more important than your relationship with your child. And I'm not saying that you should love your child less. I'm saying you should love God more. All right? That's the challenge there. Now, there's another truth here related to this. And that's this, that your children's relationship with the Lord is more important than their relationship with you. Your children need to follow the Lord. And as they grow up and you train them, to, if you're modeling this for them and living it out, uh, and, and they get that, wow, following the Lord is the absolute most important thing in, in their lives, and, and, and then they reach a point. You know, this happens sometimes they hit in their teen years and especially older teen years and, and maybe heading off to college. All of a sudden one day they say to you, you know what? I really believe God is leading me to, to go serve him in Africa or in the slums of New York City or wherever. You know what you need to say? You need to say, go do it. Go do it. How can I help you? But that's not what you're going to feel like saying. You're going to feel like working on all the reasons why maybe this isn't a good idea. And, and because you don't want them to do that, right? Because you're worried about them and plus they'll be away from you and you won't see the grandkids. I mean, all this stuff, right? You see why you've got to settle that the Lord's before your children? And then that you've got to recognize for your children that the Lord is before you. We have to live this way as followers of Christ. We have to, or we do a disservice uh, to the gospel, to what God has done for us. Turn to Luke chapter two, page 1180. Luke chapter two, 
So uh, Jesus has been born here. Uh, a whole lot of crazy things have happened. Born in a manger. Uh, the angels appear to the shepherds. The shepherds come and see Jesus and they tell how the angels appeared. And all this story, uh, a lot of kind of craziness going on. In verse number 19, well, let's verse, read verse 18. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now go over toward the end of the chapter. This is the story where Jesus had uh, let, got left behind in Jerusalem and they couldn't find him, which we're going to look at that story in a little bit. But when all is said and done, you know, Jesus says, I got to be about my father's business and this whole thing. Verse 51 says, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. See, this is what she's doing. She is observing and pondering. And here's what I want to tell you, moms. It's so valuable, so important to succeed at raising your children. Be alert to what God is doing in your children's lives so you can cooperate with them. Be alert. Watch what's going on. Watch what it is that, that winds their clock, right? You're learning what they're like, how they're designed. Watch what just, oh, they can't stand to do for more than five minutes. So you're learning what are they like and how does God want to use them. Uh, be very observant about what makes them happy and why does this make them happy. Be especially observant when they are unhappy, when they're upset and they're hurting. You know, I, I, like I, I told you, I, we did a bunch of things right raising our kids, but man, we did, I did plenty of things that weren't the best. And one of those is this, is that I wasn't always sensitive to my kids when they were hurting. It's like, okay, we're busy, time to go, we need to be leaving, and somebody's upset. And it's kind of like, I look at, that's a stupid thing, I don't say that. I think that's a stupid thing to be upset about. And I say, stop crying. Look, you can stop crying. You can, you can stop crying. We gotta go, let's go. And I, as dad, think I'm teaching them toughness, you know, blah, 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 blah. And there's some value in that. But one of the things I wish I had done was become more sensitive to connecting with their hearts. Well, let me tell you, my wife did that much greater the way than I did. My wife would, would look and see what's going on in their lives and ponder what was happening in their lives. And, and then she would say to me later, hey, do you know that? Or I think this is... And uh, so, so valuable. For you to be able to cooperate with God, you need to be alert to those kinds of things. And, and what this is really doing, this is another let go thing, because what you're reminding yourself of is, who do these kids belong to? Who do they belong to? That's right. I mean, he entrusts them to us to raise for him. And so since that's the case, I need to be alert to what is God, you as moms need to be alert to what is God doing in my child's life. And by the way, do you see if we back up this line, if you haven't put God first, you won't be sensitive to that. And if you aren't growing in your relationship with them, you won't be sensitive to that, see? Okay, so we gotta be letting go of these kinds of things. Go to Matthew chapter two. Page 1112 is where we're starting. Matthew chapter two, this is also the Christmas story. Um, Jesus has been born. He's, it's been a while since he's been born. The wise men show up looking for him. They come and give him all these presents and then they take off uh, to, to leave and the word gets out that Herod is, is really upset because he's concerned about a king being born and he's the king and all that kind of stuff. Verse 13. 
Now when they, the wise men, had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. And so they go do that, jump down to verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. So running and hiding, Jesus' life is at risk. Who took the lead in protecting him? Who, who was protecting him? Yes, God, I should have said, besides God, on the human level. Joseph was. The father was protecting him. And I don't know how Mary felt about this. I, we can't read things into this too much, but it wouldn't surprise at all when he said, hey, we gotta go to Egypt. She says, what do you mean Egypt? Why don't we just go back to Galilee, right? Well, I don't know. But what I wanna say is this, ladies, when your husband follows the Lord, follow him. So important in the training up of your children, raising of your children, for lots of reasons, um, which we don't even have time to get in here today. But I want you to understand something, that when your husband steps up and engages with raising the kids, right? He gets involved, he's giving thought to this, maybe prayer, hopefully prayerful thought, and he's saying, I think we need to do such and such. You know, nothing wrong with having discussions and questions, but here's the deal. Don't discourage him. Don't tell him why every one of his ideas is a bad idea. Don't tell him why you know how to do this better than him. Don't say, well, where were you for the last three years when I wanted you to lead? Don't do that. If he's taking a lead and getting engaged, go with him. Because here's the truth. Your children will be much better off with a father who is engaged in their life and who maybe doesn't do it perfect and doesn't necessarily do it as well as you know and maybe you do know better, right? But he's engaged. They will be much better off in that scenario than him not being engaged and you taking care of everything right. Do you understand that? They will be much better off. So if he wants to get involved, encourage him in that. Figure out how to follow him in it. And yes, you should be talking about these things. It's not that, it's not that he gets to decide everything, but you understand what I'm trying to say? Figure out how to follow him and encourage him in that because everybody wins when that happens. And so this is really letting go of your ways and also letting go of, of um, trusting yourself. Because when you decide to follow your husband, you have to choose to trust God to work through your husband. All right, we'll talk a little more about those things next week. Go to Luke chapter one, page 1177. 
Now this is the announcement to Mary that she's going to have a baby. So let's read in verse number 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, excuse me, it doesn't say that, I know that, but it's gonna, uh, excuse me, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, how much of that do you think Mary understood? I mean, we have the benefit of what? Hindsight. We understand who Jesus was, right? Okay, we get that, we know, and we know what's gonna happen, what kind of stuff. She didn't know that. And he's saying all this big stuff, and a son, and the high, blah, 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 Okay. You think you might have had reason to fret? Let's continue reading. The angel continues talking. He says, verse 36, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now look at Mary's response. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I, I just, I gotta believe that Mary did not understand all of this. She got something, she understood I'm gonna have a baby. She got that, but what is this all about? And how is this all going to work? And what is the response to the Lord? Okay, I'm gonna trust you, even though I don't understand it all. And so there you go, moms. Trust God even when you don't understand. Go ahead and put that up there if you would, Mitchell. Trust God even when you don't understand. Again, you gotta let go of your ways. I don't understand this. In other words, <clears throat> trust in the Lord with all your heart and yeah, and so let's say, that, let's say, let go of having to understand it all. You don't. But always make the choice to trust God anyway. All right? And that's in any aspect of your life, is certainly with your children. Go to chapter two now. This is the story of, of Jesus uh, when he got left behind probably about 12 years old, verse 41. It says, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. Now, we think, wow, how could they not know it? Because that's the culture we grow in, you gotta know. But in their culture, this is family and friends traveling. And there's a whole bunch of kids there and the kids hang out together, right? And everybody just travels. And so they assumed he was just there. And they had good reason to. Um, verse 44. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Okay, so the day comes to the end and they go find Jesus. And uh-oh, they cannot find him. Now they're nervous. 
So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now think about this. They traveled how far away? How long? One day away. And now they got to travel back. Another day. We're now two days away without knowing where he is and what's going on. Verse 46. Now so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statements which he spoke to them. So they didn't get all that. But what I want to point out to you here is this is one of those times when I think Mary didn't do as well. I, we all understand exactly why it happened, but she didn't, she wasn't seeing it right. Look back up there in verse 48 again. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this, what? To us. Your father and I have sought you anxiously. We have been so worried about you. How could you have done this to us? Um... Over the years, observing, counseling, listening to people talk. Unfortunately, I've heard more times than I would have liked that, well, everything was always about mom. Whatever happened, whoever it happened to in the household, it always ended up being about mom. And you see what Mary's doing here to Jesus? Why have you done this to us. Jesus wasn't doing it to them. And when kids disobey, when kids act unwisely, when kids act out their childish foolishness, all this kind of stuff, they are not doing it to you, mom. They are doing it because they are them. But if you make everything about you, it always comes back to you and how it's affecting you. And you, you let them know that. What you're doing is you're putting on your children a burden that they cannot bear. And you are setting them up because you know what? Their problems don't ever get resolved fully because it isn't longer their problem. It's about mom's problem. Whereas if, it's, if they, you help your child to focus on it, it's not about mom, it's about them and what's going on and decisions they need to make. Are you following me on that? I mean, I want to be clear on that. And so you got to watch this. And I think what's going on is this, is that oftentimes mom's identity gets wrapped up in her children. And there's no separation. So here's what I want to tell you. Keep your identity separate from your children. Your heart is going to be intertwined with them. Proverbs tells us that. Proverbs tells us repeatedly how you will feel, how the mother will feel when this happens or that happens or this doesn't happen, how mom is going to feel. We get that. But your child is not you and you are not your child and you need to make sure it stays that way. Otherwise, you can't help your children. And, and when you make it about you and they have to bear this burden and it, it just, it's a confusing message and, and they're going to grow up and then they will come see me. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you will set them up with problems that they will struggle with through life. So do not make it be about you. This isn't why have you done this to me. The, what have you done? What does God say about that? 
How do we need to fix that? Those are great questions, but not, it's about me. The last one that we'll look at here is uh, Matthew 19. And so anyway, you know, moms, you've got to let go of uh, having your identity being wrapped up in your children. Matthew 19. Uh, Jesus is getting challenged by the Pharisees. Verse four, they're there, let me back up. They ask him, is it okay if a man divorces his wife for any reason that he wants? Is that okay? And verse four, and he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh? So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Um, the reason we're reading this is not to learn about divorce, but I want to show you something. Jesus quotes from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. We could have looked at it there. Verse four, he answered and said, and have you, oh, excuse me, verse five, and said, for this reason a man shall, what? Leave his father and be joined, okay? And we could, we could just as rightfully say, a woman shall leave and join, okay? But I want you to see is that, remember this, okay? You gotta remember this day in and day out. Remember your children are supposed to leave and you need to let them go. You need to let them go. Um, <clears throat> because, Here's what happens, and I see it, I observe it. I observe kids who, you know, are old enough to, I mean, eight, nine, 10 years old, whatever, certainly old enough to know what they need to do about putting their coat on or this kind of thing. And I see mom telling, put your coat on, make sure it's tight, get your gloves, do this, get your bed, and that child learns something accidentally, and that's that I don't have to remember anything. Somebody else will remember it for me. The child gets older and begins to make bigger decisions, and then you start telling them, oh, this way, this way, that's in the Greek somewhere. Um, <laughs> but you keep micromanaging and telling, and, and you're controlling it because you want what's best for your child. You, you want what they, you think they need, and so you're telling them and directing them, and they're 18, 19, 20 years old. I tell you what happens is that they finally one day leave somehow, and they go out in the world totally unprepared to take care of themselves and do what they need to do because you never let them. You never train them by letting them. You have to let go of your children. It starts young. You have to figure out what, what is my child capable of making a decision about? And then you need to let them make it. And if, it, you know, zip up your coat. Well, if your child's old enough to zip up their coat to tell them, don't tell them. Let them figure out, wow, this is cold. I think I should have zipped up my coat. And they get older, they start to make bigger decisions, right? But here's the, what's the deal, what you want to understand is you want to be letting go and not micromanaging and not telling them everything because you want to allow them to fail while they are still at home where it's safe and fail in things that will not destroy their lives. Because once they leave home, they'll be making decisions about things that will destroy their lives if they make the wrong decision. So you need to make sure that you've let them learn to make decisions. And so it's, it's a process. You increasingly, increasingly, increasingly let go. But you have to learn and on purpose, let go. And that's not natural to you. 
Understand this, that God gave mankind an assignment. In Genesis, he said, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. In order to fill the earth, what do the kids have to do? They gotta go. They gotta leave. And sometimes that's gonna rip your heart out because you don't want them to go. You know, they're gonna be someplace else in the world and, and you won't see the grandkids and, and you know, it's just, oh, you know. Part of that's promise you've probably built your identity. I mean, you know, all the, it all fits together, all this stuff today. But I wanna say this, if you will do this, if you will be faithful, not perfect, don't put that burden on yourself. Just be faithful, be real, keep after it, keep working, keep growing, keep doing the best you can, following the Lord in this. Here's God's promise to you. And it comes from the end of Proverbs 31. It says this, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Fears the Lord. God comes first in her life. God will honor you and bless you, and you will be thrilled with what you see in your children and your grandchildren. Maybe your great-grandchildren. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in your word you tell us uh, these practical things. I pray that the moms here, Lord, first I'd say thank you for them. They, so many times, Lord, they've had so many uh, hard things they have to deal with, just the craziness of life and busyness and tired and all of those things together, Father. I thank you that they endure and persevere. And I pray, Lord, you'll continue to work in their lives, but I do pray that they will take to heart today that they need to raise the children you've entrusted them your way. Putting you first, modeling it, letting go of all the things they need to let go of so that one day their children will launch into the world and do great things for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.